For a long time, it seemed to me that real life was about to begin. But there was always some obstacle in the way. Something had to be got through first. Some unfinished business. Time still to be served. A debt to be paid. Then life would begin. At last, it dawned on me that these obstacles were my life. Ben Howland. Guten Tag. On today's episode of Radical Existence, I'm talking with my good friend Greta about the radical contributions made to this world by the late Joseph Pilates. The timing for this episode was planned because it was on this day, December 9th, 1883, that Joseph Pilates was born in, oh forgive me, Mönchengladbach, Germany. He dedicated his life to a deep understanding of the body and created what is known today as the Pilates Method. If you have a human body, this episode is for you. I'm hoping our discussion will expand your idea of what a physical fitness practice can look like and plant the little inspiration seed in the back of your mind to be moving your body for vitality and longevity with the added bonus of a strong exterior shell. Okay, here we go. I've got a girl crush. Hate to admit it, but it's true. And it's on my next interview. Okay, partially kidding, but not really. I got the chance to interview my very good friend and expert teacher, Greta, Apparently also a girl crush because as we walked through this interview, I stared at the Zoom screen, big eyes, big smile, just so enthralled with everything she had to offer to this conversation. So I'm hoping that you'll enjoy it just as much as I did. Even if you're not a Pilates practitioner and have no interest in the method, please continue to listen because while this episode is about Joseph Pilates... The conversation weaves in and out of ways we can all practice being a little more radical in our life. And just so these kernels of wisdom don't fly overhead without you grabbing onto them and digesting them just a little bit more, I'll be pausing the interview to get your ears ready to grab hold of the next radical idea. I hope you're ready. Here we go. All right, I am here with my... Beautiful friend, Greta, also expert teacher. Greta, welcome to Radical Existence. Hello. So Greta, tell us a little bit about yourself and um, what makes you qualified to talk about Joseph Pilates as a radical woke man? Well, I... I'm qualified to talk about Joseph Pilates because I've been studying this method and this person for about 20 years. I've taken multiple um, teacher training programs and each one of them looks at Joe through and his work through a slightly different lens. And so I feel like I've gotten a lot of different perspectives on the person and the work over the years, Um, some in a positive light, some not so much. 
I will definitely agree with you that he was radical, though I may push back a little bit on the fact that he was woke. That is a um, a term I just feel a little bit might be too generous for him, especially in his day and age. But I understand your bringing that to the forefront of the conversation. Let's start with, for listeners that don't know anything about the method, who was Joseph Pilates? So Joe was, like, as the story goes, he was a German-born man who was born sickly, had rickets and asthma and rheumatic fever and all of these ailments, and he was obsessive about studying anatomy and watching animals move and children play and using all of that information to essentially try to heal himself. And in so doing, he not only became extremely knowledgeable about the body and physiology and movement and healing practices, but he also started to develop his own systematic method about how he could essentially replicate his results for others. And so he developed the routine and his ideas on uh, what he ultimately ended up calling contrology through a variety of things, including being a boxer, potentially maybe a circus performer. There's lots of elements of his lore that we don't have um, full details on because he was a very private person and didn't share a lot of that information. But that all influenced his work. And then around 1914, during World War I, he ended up being in, interned as a German national on the Isle of Man in England. And while he was there, he kind of got a chance to work as, there's no real good word for it, but sort of a nurse, sort of a physical therapist, um, and also... By working in these ways, he started to not only try to assist people, but he started to try to invent things to help people. One of the things that he tried to do was help people physically himself. He tried to move people's legs for them if they were injured and they couldn't move their legs. He tried to help move people's arms or spine for them. And eventually he thought, this is going to break my own body if I'm going to try to help serve all of these other people. And so that got him a little bit more focused on how he could serve others without harming himself in the process. And his little inventor brain kicked on and he started to devise different apparatus. And there's the classic apparatus that everybody knows about for the most part called the universal reformer. There's a piece of apparatus called the wonder chair, the Cadillac, the foot corrector, the spine corrector, though some of those came later down the line. Once he took out the burden of trying to physically himself support everybody and give them instead these different contraptions, they started to be able to heal themselves And then he just 
took off with his method and just started creating stuff um, dependent on who walked into the room, right? So a lot of the, the equipment that he ultimately ended up creating was inspired by the body in front of him that he happened to be working with at that particular moment. Amazing, Greta. Thank you so much. And those were things I wanted to cover, all proving my point of Joseph Pilates being completely woke. So <laughs> I'm curious, why is it that you would say you would um, counter that? Why is Joseph Pilates not so woke? <laughs> well, I do, again, believe that he was radical in many ways. But I don't think, and not just eccentric, but actually radical. He believed that his method was for the people, that it was that it was democratic, that it was uh, it didn't need to be expensive. You didn't have to have the apparatus. That you could simply buy this book, maybe get it in a library, read it, and you could heal yourself. So those are some of the ways that I think he was radical in uh, his philosophy of um, fitness and wanting to make sure that all bodies were able to put themselves back together again. That being said, as you read his writings, it's very clear in there. There's, you know, sexism in there. There's a lot of just really old-fashioned terminology that is especially problematic. It was problematic then, but it's really apparently problematic now. It just becomes more so over time. In the pictures, you don't see a lot of diversity in terms of his clientele. And so in terms of saying he's woke, I just feel like that's a very particular term that has particular meanings that I don't think he fits into on, in all the ways that one should if they're going to actually wear that crown. Amen. So actually, that was one of that was the only thought that passed into my mind when I was calling him woke. I watched an interview with one of the elders and she was saying how Joe used to look down the blouses or I guess maybe the leotards of some of the girls or had just kind of an eye for the ladies. So I, I would agree completely that there is a little non-wokeness in there, but radical, absolutely. So then something else that you mentioned was the not a very diverse body type in the studio. And so if you've studied a lot of Pilates, you'll see that it's a lot of very, it's dancer type bodies, slender, um, yeah, lean, slender. That's just kind of the type, I guess, that he gravitated towards. Is that? I wouldn't say that he grabbed, I think he was attracted to those people, <laughs> but I wouldn't say he gravitated towards them. I mean, there's, again, lots of stories about his irritation with the fact that dancers had come in and taken over his method. In some ways, his method in his mind was for men. You know, there were exercises that were considered men's exercises and that women just didn't do them. But once the studio got populated by lots of dancers, let's just say he didn't turn any of them away either. <laughs> 
all fun things. Um, so Joseph Pilates, a radical man. <laughs> I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I know how to stay healthy, but consistency is my problem. My depression, anxiety, and stress keep me from living a healthy life. Being healthy isn't just about what you eat and how you exercise. Though that's a part of it, it's important to look at your belief system and also your behaviors. With the Emerge 90-Day program, we focus on three things. Creating mental strength, eating for happy, which is digestive wellness, and movement to unravel and restore the body. This program is partially self-guided with accountability meetings weekly with your cohort of no more than 15 women. If you're looking for a health journey that's not just about wellness, but about wholeness, Emerge 90 Day Program might be for you. Visit jenniferlynkern.com for more details. Welcome back. It's time to continue our interview with Greta. And coming up is one of those kernels of wisdom I was talking about. Now, just like the bottom of a popcorn bowl, there's lots of kernels there. But the one thing that I wrote in my journal that I took away is not sacrificing knowledge for speed. Her words exactly. Let's go ahead and listen. So one of the other things about him that I personally have found radical is, so in his book, Return to Life, he talks a lot about fast, modern living and kind of the frenzy of all of that. And I mean, he's bringing this up in 1943. And so things have only become more frenzied, more divisive over the years. And he talks essentially about not sacrificing knowledge to speed. And I think that that is this concept that we have kind of gotten I almost want to say played by that there's so much trying to keep up with everything and to compete on this really external level that there's no sense of just slowing down and learning one thing at a time and building a skill on top of a skill and building uh, bridges between concepts there's just a sense of people trying to churn out something new, something novel, catchy, and trying to get people's attention. And the fact that he just was really interested in slowing down and trying to focus and concentrate, I personally just find to be a radical idea. Um, and apparently it was then as well. So for me, that was just really interesting to, to read today when I first came across this work and then to reread again as I was preparing for today's interview to say, oh yes, there, there it is. I thought that was in there somewhere, but it had just been a while since I'd read it. Um, so that was just a piece that I wanted to bring to the table, bring to our discussion. Hashtag radical concentration and skill building. I love it. So I did ask Greta about her teaching philosophy, and something I want to make clear to listeners is there is a wide variety of Pilates certifications out there. 
some of which happen over a weekend and others of which take quite a while longer with a period of apprenticeship before you're considered a teacher. There's also classical Pilates, which reflects more of Joseph Pilates' original teachings. And then there's a contemporary version that's been adapted as time has gone on. She also references exercise names like candlestick and teaser. The Pilates method isn't just colorful in its approach to movement, but also with the naming of exercises as well. But don't let that fool you because these exercises are extremely complex and challenging. Anyway, let's listen to what Greta has to say. There are teachers who have been profoundly affected by the method, but have not spent a lot of time thinking about how to teach the method and why they teach it and how to get the best results, for lack of a better word, from their students, um, how to really meet their students where they are. And I think the classical format of for the Pilates method, for me, was really beneficial because creativity comes easily to me. Thinking outside the box comes easily to me. But having structure actually doesn't come easily to me. I like it I gra- and I gravitate towards it, but it's in part because it's not something I do naturally or easily. I can be rather zany and off the wall, right? And so I, I liked that for me, the systems sort of approach to the classical methodology was very clear in terms of which exercise came before a previous exercise and that each exercise was a preparation for the one to come. I liked that um, there was also a system to layering the information so that the student wouldn't get overwhelmed by always having something fresh and something new, which there's nothing wrong with novelty. It's, it's absolutely wonderful. But sometimes it keeps you in a certain part of your learning process if you're always getting something new thrown at you versus this more kind of meditative element of practicing some practicing something over and over again and fine tuning it. And then in there, there's room to play. There's tons of room within all of that structure and within all of the apparatus to play, but it just gives a container so that you can have some metrics to fall back on. You can feel your own practice. You get to have those moments where you go, oh my God, I did the teaser. Oh my God, I did snake and twist. Oh my God, I did candlestick. And there's there's this feeling of progress and achievement because you've done something so many times that at, at, at a sort of more beginner level. And then all of a sudden you see how that grows and morphs and develops into something more complex, but you can see the whole pathway to it. And it doesn't just feel like this 
miracle moment, although it is, <laughs> but it feels like, yes, I worked for this and I'm so excited. And I think there's just, I'm a, so the sort of person, I love the idea of meritocracy and it just doesn't really exist that much. <laughs> and I find that when you do the work of Pilates over and over and over again, you get to do that for yourself. You bestow sort of the merits on yourself and you also get to reap the reward for yourself as well. And there's just something really beautiful about that, especially since it's not something that we necessarily get a lot of other places in our lives. Crushing so hard. Kernel of Wisdom number two is coming up. Greta reads from Joseph Pilates' book, A Return to Life, originally published in 1945. This is where we get to see Joe's philosophy on exercise and movement, and we cover radical self-care, self-love, and self-healing. The only other thing that I was reminded of, of um, back to Joe being radical, was just this idea, again, in the book, Return to Life, talking about that contrology is not, so this is a quote from him. Contrology is not a system of haphazard exercises designed to produce only bulging muscles, but it's about exercising every muscle in your body in order to improve the circulation of the blood so that the bloodstream can carry more and better blood to feed every fiber and tissue of your body. So many exercise systems are about the superficial. And in Pilates, you your shoulder girdle will get more toned. Your abdominals and your butt will get more toned. But it's not about that. Those are fun benefits, great. And it is important that we have strong bodies so that we can get up and out of a chair out when we're old, we can get down and play with grandkids that we can carry our own luggage and travel while we're 80 years old. Right. But it's, but it's also just about the sense that it's in a lot of healing modalities, it's the body healing itself. And in part, what's helping it do that is removing toxins from the body and part through like the lymph and recirculating and rehydrating the tissue so that the tissue doesn't become uh, stagnant, inflexible, and sort of um, a haven for what I think Joe calls debris, right? Or something <laughs> I can't remember exactly. But because that's where disease lives. And so his big picture perspective was, yes, you do all of these crazy movements with your body, but it's got this big picture goal of cleaning the body out, reviving it, and also like being able to have a useful body so you can be a better service for your community or better service for your family, um, et cetera. That also reminds me that um, I took a workshop with Tom Myers back in the day, and I remember him mentioning something about self-care, I believe it was, um, as being this radical idea and self-love as being a radical idea as well. And I couldn't agree more. And part of the reason it really stood out to me was just because 
we are so subject to capitalism and commercialism and um, consumerism, I think is really the word I'm looking for. And especially if we think of ourselves as deficient, then we look outside of ourselves for something to help us feel confident or have security or something along those lines. But when you can reimagine that what your practice is actually about is remembering your own wholeness and taking care of yourself and the animal that you are, then you're less subject to some of the failings, I would say, of civilization. And I find that there's such a paradoxical nature to everything. So we have our human animal, but also this great consciousness. And it's always, and not tip for tap, but there's always a part of the human animal and a part of consciousness that needs to come to be. There's, There's an interplay between the two. And we want to have a developed sense of self-awareness in our consciousness and um, cognition. And we also want to have like an aptitude and skillfulness in our physical being as well, because we as human beings are called upon to utilize those different faculties at different times. And so one might be useful in one time and a different one might be useful at a different time. And we need to be able to be flexible enough to go back and forth between which skill set we need for different times. Such a fun conversation to have. So we wrapped up our interview with Greta telling us a little bit about her online services. And of course, I signed up for a membership after our conversation. To connect with Greta, you can head over to gretapilates.com or go to the Radical Existence Instagram page and connect with her there. I've been so lucky to take classes from you, Greta, and you're just such a great balance of so much knowledge and creativity, and now you're bringing that to an online platform. I'm going to try to remember, but you offer a few different class types, right? There's three different class types and then subcategories in that. Can you tell us about that? Because I just think it's genius. Well, thank you. I Turns out I actually love teaching online. I love teaching in general. I can't stop teaching <laughs> people. My poor family and friends trying to go on vacation with me. They just always get a lesson uh, <laughs> if they want it, of course, um, mostly. I offer in my online um, platform on my website, I offer three different classes. The first is Pilates 101, which is the nuts and bolts of alignment principles and um, some of the philosophy of Joe's work and why we're doing what we're doing and a lot of trying to synthesize not just body mechanics, but the kind of big picture behind why we're doing what we're doing. And then the second class is rest and restore because really there's this idea in Pilates that you don't really want to layer on a lot of information or a lot of um, 
uh, resistance or strain or stress on a body that's not neutral because whatever in the body is sort of at the ready to be activated, that's going to be the first thing to click on. So you also want to have a practice of sort of neutralizing yourself, of releasing daily stress, of really taking time to experience rest, right? And to give your body time to restore and give your brain time to focus and kind of drop in to your own personal learning process, right? So that's two of the classes. And then the third one is called Return to Life, which is the name of one of Joe's books. And it's more an athletic class that's about flow, that's about experiential trying things that sometimes are too hard, but trying to take the nuts and bolts, but do them at real time because that's real life, right? So there's a time and a place, I think, to really slow down and concentrate and focus and work on precision. There's a time and a place to really like learn the art of relaxation. And then there's a time and a place to just sweat and move and take up space and be in your body and fall and it's and practice that it's no big deal to fall or it's no big deal to not quite land your teaser. You just keep going. Such an excellent life skill to have is to just practice the fall because we all know it's going to happen. Um, so why not get accustomed to it in our movement practice? Such sound advice from my girl crush, Greta. So this is the end of our Joseph Pilates happy birthday episode. I hope you enjoyed this and it gave you just as much food for thought as it gave me and inspiration as it gave me. If you felt drawn to Greta's work and our conversation, you can visit her at GretaPilates.com or connect with her at the Radical Existence Instagram page. And then I thought we'd close this out with one of my favorite quotes by Joe himself. And it just says, every moment of our life can be the beginning of great things. Please get in touch with me over at RadicalExistence.com, the Instagram or Facebook page, Radical Existence.